Hey, yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry, and I'm joined by James Key. Hello. And also on this ride we're going to take this afternoon, Maddie Key. Hello, Maddie. I just realized every time Jim says hello to lead off, he's like, hello, like he's a Nintendo character in Animal Crossing. They don't talk in Animal Crossing. Yeah, Animal Crossing characters no, do not No, but talk. it's like the pitch of the voice, right? Like, it's like a very Animal Crossing vibe. Because like, I know they're like... But like his just sounds like if they spoke, that's what it would sound like. You should find a career in voicing Animal Crossing characters. Because <laughs> that was pretty accurate. I just hate Tom Nook, man. That dude is a piece of shit. Everyone hates Tom Nook. He's a slumlord, and he takes all your bells from you. <laughs> <laughs> take my balls too and we are going to take you on a journey throughout the world of professional sports that has been over the past week and we're going to talk about a number of things one of which of course we have to talk about the toronto maple leafs losing in the first round again and we'll uh touch upon a few other things around the nhl as well we do want to go over our results if you recall a couple weeks ago we had a playoff prediction podcast a very special episode that dropped a few days early and I have the scores tabulated for the first round, and it'll be interesting to go through and see who's in the lead and who is going to have an advantage going into the second round, because we are going to also make our second round picks as well. The Blue Jays had a very Blue Jays weekend, and we'll get into what exactly that means as they now look forward to a series with the Seattle Mariners, and Robbie Ray is not coming to town, which is a little unusual. Uh, maybe if we have time, we'll talk about some Blue Jays jerseys as I have three of them hanging behind me that you cannot see because this is a podcast, but we do want to talk a bit about that as well. Plus the Cincinnati Reds were the Cincinnati Reds. Plus the CFL is the CFL and the Chargers did something really cool over the weekend. And there's a couple old men, actually a few old men making some headlines. So we want to talk a bit about that. But now speaking of old men, James, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm only 37. We'll start with you. Uh, what have you been up to the past week? Yeah, so I was saying I, I didn't want to devote a lot of time to this on the show, but um, I think one of the more incredible stories coming out of sports on the weekend was the Dallas Mavericks uh, and the Phoenix Suns. I mean, I think everyone had the Phoenix Suns kind of pegged uh, as favorites to to come out of the West in the NBA. And, like, man, and it's funny because Luka... Luca took over, uh, and he was like very much criticized halfway through the season for kind of being a little husky uh, and a little overweight. And I'll tell you, that dude gave all husky white dudes hope that they can be uh, star athletes. And man, there. So if anyone didn't see it, at one point, I think there was eight minutes to go in the third quarter. It was seventy thirty one for the Dallas Mavericks. 70 the the phoenix suns had 31 points with eight minutes to go in the third quarter like that's ridiculous for a playoff game uh let alone any game regular season or not but there's a point in the game and i saw this clip on instagram and where i i think the whole game changed and it's like it's one of those just like you know you know you have sports moments where where these game changers or difference makers they take over in this one moment and you can isolate you can see it that's what i saw and what it was was luca goes to throw the ball back towards the ref 
in the Phoenix end of the court. And as he does, Devin Booker like blocks it. And he like for no reason blocks the ball going back to the ref and then hands the ball to the ref. And Luca just has this like smirk and he said he calls him a pussy ass uh, on the way down the court. And then it's just like game over from there. And I was like, "Wow, like that kind of behavior if like if you're on the other end, it, it just never goes well for you. Just let the ball go. Like there's no reason to intercept a pass back to the ref. You're just being a dick. Uh, I know it was a home game for Phoenix, but that's the kind of stuff that, that you know, the sports gods kind of turn around and bite you in the ass. So I know we've seen those things before in sports where you get a little bit too uh, cocky. You get a little bit too arrogant about something or a little dickish and it, and it, and it ends up burning you. So I, th- I just thought that was really interesting. Even by the end of it, if you look at the Phoenix Suns starting five, they combined for 37 points in the entire game, and Luka had 35. That's so ridiculous. I think that's a, that's a good explanation of exactly the way that game went. Um, Maddie, what about you? What about, what's been going on the past week? I laid on a table on Friday and got tattooed for six hours on my chest. Jesus. Buddy, honestly, I've like I got two full sleeves. I did the right half of my chest like a month and a half ago, and like this left side was legitimately the worst experience of my life. Like it was the worst one I've ever gotten. And on your ch- on your chest. Yeah. Like, like do you have the do you have the inside of your arms like on your like by your bicep done? Yeah. And yeah. that wasn't as bad as your chest. Buddy, I will say this. The second she got to the titty, like like the inside of the titty like right by the armpit and shit i twitched and then like right on the sternum it was game over and like the worst part was is like every tattoo i've ever done i've just powered through they're always like do you want to take a break it's like no let's just keep going because i don't know like dustin how like how many tattoos you have or i know jim's got a few but it's oh he's got a big fat zero okay so when it settles like if you stop it just sets and it's like it gets like super tender so if you just keep going it's just like you're consistently in pain and so after she stopped to eat, the second she came back, it was like within an hour, I was like, I got to stop this soon. Like I was, I was losing it. So that was like the highlight of my week. And then also, uh, yeah, watching a lot of the game seven weekend of hockey we had about three games on Saturday, two on Sunday. So it's kind of my yeah. vibe. There was a lot of game sevens that came out of this weekend. And, you know, I and mean, we'll get into the Maple Leafs in a second, but... I want to get your opinion on this. So I didn't end up actually going anywhere to see Game 7 because I figured, you know, it would go the way it went and you know, it went the way it went. <laughs> but the main draw for me to want to go somewhere was potentially going to a Buffalo Wild Wing. Now, it doesn't There's have to be Buffalo, with w- Buffalo Wild Wings, though. I, I was going to say, it doesn't have to be Buffalo Wild Wing. I'm just saying I, that was the place I was looking okay. at. The question now to you guys is, Chicken wings. There, and the, there's a few questions here. One, are boneless chicken wings actually chicken wings? No, they're giant nuggies. James? I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. It's chicken that's either breaded or not and sauced. Like, I don't give a shit. Whatever. They are chicken nuggets. Thank you, Maddie. They are not chicken wings. Boneless chicken wings are just chicken nuggets. This is yes. Just- we and need depending to stop on the size, this. it's tenders or nuggies. Whatever. <laughs> Who gives a shit? It's overpriced chicken is what it is. I mean, anything in a restaurant is going to be overpriced. Yeah. Either. 
That's just kind of the what you're you that's what you're signing up for. Now we're in agreement, at least two of us are, and James is indifferent. So which leads agreeing. me to believe that he likes boneless wings. <laughs> Less of a man. <laughs> when, when you do get the chicken wings, are you getting them breaded or are you getting them non-breaded? Oh, breaded 100%. I get them non-breaded now. But I also okay. want to caveat the chicken wings themselves are the biggest ripoff in food history. For the price, the return on investment, and I had this discussion in the Discord before, the return on investment, and Mike doesn't like it when I say this, the return on investment for a chicken wing is minimal. It's yeah, minimal. But chicken wings are an experience. It's not about yes. what you're paying to get. It's what is the fucking experience? experience? Yo, it's, you're it's gonna like, make your it's, own it's, spicy garpar? Get the fuck out of here, you are. It, it's the it's the sauce selection. You get to customize it. There's it's I think it's the carnivore nature in us yeah. as well of like just grabbing a hunk of meat and eating it. The yeah. dummying and like the bucket where like you're just dummying bunches of wings. That's a great point. Sound no, no, no. wing in the bucket. Yeah, and it, like he says this. Fuck him. I've seen him go be like, "Yo, I'm not give saying me a I don't like them. Par, give me, give me a pound of hot." Like, I'm I've not saying it. I don't like them. I'm saying the return on investment isn't there. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but when when you're going out to dinner, you're not thinking about your return on investment. This comes from the guy who goes to Basil Box once a week. I I don't go to Basil Box once a week. I'm saying the fact that you get minimal chicken on a chicken wing for. $17 a pound is kind of criminal. That's all I'm saying. No. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, can, I see your point, but I don't think it's a relevant point in this case. Like, does it, does it actually make you like chicken wings less because you feel like you're paying too much for it? It doesn't make me like the actual chicken wing less. It actually makes my, like, my experience less because I feel like I got ripped off. So I'm paying for an experience that I end up lamenting at the end of it because I'm like, well, fuck, it was good, but yeah, I'm but we all, bucks we all and have I'm our things hungry. that we're like we're willing to accept getting ripped off on. That's like, true. for me, like the dining experience is like I fully know. Like I went to Mimi. Like this is another story we'll get into. My fucking wife, I love her to death, but Jesus Christ, like booking a restaurant for Game Seven on Saturday, I almost lost my shit. I almost handed her the papers. No, no yeah, I was no. wondering with that one where I saw pictures of you on Instagram or whatever it was, and you had like a tablet or your phone or something set up on the table at like some fancy restaurant. Yeah, we were at Mimi Chinese in Yorkville, and it's like a month and a half out, you got a book to get reservations for this place. And then I, apparently if you don't cancel prior, like 48 hours or more prior to your dinner, each person that doesn't show up is like a $60 charge or $75 charge. So I'm like, I, and because the game six was Thursday night, I was locked in, right? So I had to go. <laughs> so it's a high-scale Yorkville restaurant. So I set up the iPad there and I had people looking at me and like this old fuck was walking by me like, what are you doing at this restaurant with an iPad? I almost told him, get the fuck out of here. He's going to eat my foot for dinner. I was tilted. As you can tell, I'm still mad. Violence is well, not the answer. <laughs> I guess part of the experience is not feeling like you got ripped off and i don't know if anyone could have felt ripped off by that game seven between the leafs and the lightning because i i think it, regardless of the outcome i think one of the things that we have well i know one of the things that we have been criticizing the maple Leafs for for ever has been that the fight hasn't been there that the heart hasn't been there I don't think we can say that about 
at least this game seven that they weren't ready for it or they weren't fighting hard or they weren't playing hard or whatever. I feel like they were there. They were, I mean, one bounce goes the right way. One stupid call doesn't go the other way. The pick and roll on Justin Hall, which I know by letter of the law is technically illegal, but my goodness, it was not nearly as egregious enough to be called a penalty, but I digress. But here we are. Um, 2004 was the last time we saw this team make it to the second round. For context, I am a mid-30s man. And the last time the Maple Leafs won <laughs> a won a playoff series to go into the second round, I was in high school. That's, that's the context we're dealing with right now. So, and, and again, we have said so many times on this show, obviously this is a different team. In 2004, it was Matt Sundin and Joe Neuendijk and Brian Leach and Brian McCabe and Thomas Caberlet, etc. None of those guys play in the NHL anymore. So it is a very different team, different coaching staff, different management, but same result. <sighs> Where do we start with this Maple Leafs team? I guess maybe your overall thoughts on this season and where do you think it went wrong, James? The I think we learned a lot about the Maple Leafs uh this season in terms of who they are and who they can be. Um, they, I think you're right. They, they didn't, I don't think I'm going to start a number of senses here because I feel like that's a microcosm of, of kind of how I feel about it. There are certain guys on this team that definitely elevated their game to a level that you would expect in the playoffs. The fact that in Game 7, I think the, one of the first plays was Mitch Marner throwing a hit on Victor Hedman is huge. Um, that shows that Marner has evolved his game for the playoff style. Austin Matthews leading the team in hits on a number of games. And they, were, they weren't little bumpy hits. He was throwing his weight around. He's a big boy. That shows, you know, determination, leadership, drive, all the things that that fire, that fight that you're looking for when it comes to playoff time. And I'm not saying these guys need to do that in abundance during the regular season, but it showed that they were able to adapt their game for the playoffs. There's, I know that there's a lot of people on the internet that are William Nylander sympathizers, but there were, again, a number of plays in Game 7 where... I didn't see the same compete that from from him that I saw from other players. And when we when we get down the line about talking about like where we see the teams going, you know, it, it becomes increasingly hard for me to, you know, for someone on your second line, and we can talk how we break that down. I just don't see it at, like as a fit anymore. There's a play in that game where the defenseman is below the red line, and he's and he's setting up with the puck. And Nylander glides with one hand on his stick to the hashies and then stops. Like he stops moving his feet. He stops puck pressuring the defenseman. And I believe they were down 2-1 or at least tied 1-1. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not the time you pull up at the hashies for, for not like, I don't, I don't even understand what his, what his logic could have been. 
the only thing I thought about was maybe he thinks that he's conserving his energy for what he believes is a pointless chase, but then you don't force mistakes. And in a game like that where the tensions are high and everyone's kind of on edge, forcing mistakes is the way to win a game. Um, you know, and, and I think there's a few things missing from this team. You know, when you look at how it's constructed, Nick Paul beat the Maple Leafs. You know, he was he's 6'3", 220 pounds, and he 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 goes forward. He goes through teams, and that's what he did to Toronto. And in both goals, he went through the team. So straightforward. Would have been nice if the if the Maple Leafs had someone like a Kyle Clifford or Wayne Simmons on their roster, right? Eh? You know, I don't know. There's you see, a. You see what I'm trying to say though? Like, I get your Paul reference and saying like that type of play and that type of player. Those players are rare. Tampa has and Toronto's missing, but Toronto has those players and they didn't play them. But but I don't think they do. I think I think those guys miss the element of skill that Nick Paul has. And I think those players are hard to find in this league. And and I understand why people struggle with that. Like if it were me, I'd be looking and again we're we're kind of jumping the gun on this conversation here. I, I no, I would this love is fine. this is where I wanted the conversation to go anyways. But like but for the record as well, uh Wayne Simmons had two 30 goal seasons obviously he's not that guy anymore but again yeah well how old is nick paul Vic 23 24 right and like ross like owned the leaves in puck pressure no but you also have to think of it like contextually too like nick paul on any other team isn't nick paul in tampa bay lightning right like he's not getting better defensive matchups you know, because he's lower down in the lineup. Any other team, because they get him for what he is. He's a second or attempted first line guy. And he's probably not producing the same because he's seeing better defensive matchups, whether it be the forwards as the shutdown energy line, or he's seeing the first pairing, first defensive pairing. But like, I get what you mean. I just think like, yes, I like the first goal, I don't think is a that Nick Paul created that. He swiped at the puck and it was like an odd rebound that came to him and he just kind of chopped at it, right? The second one, yeah, you could say, yeah, he kind of powered through, but he kind of didn't even go through the guy. He made a move and the puck went off the player's skate and back to him and he swiped at it again. So it's not that he went through anybody, but yeah, I get what you mean that his size created those plays. But at the same time, like I said, is Nick Paul in Tampa is not Nick Paul, uh, any other team. Right. So the Leafs need to identify where they can slot those guys in. The problem with John Tavares's line is there's no puck pressure on that line. John Tavares, God love him, and he showed exceptional leadership, and, and he turned it on in after game, I think game three, turned it on uh, much more of what we would want to see from him. He's not going to puck pressure. He's not fast enough. Right, yeah, William Nylander like, doesn't skate. N- William, William Nylander doesn't skate below the red line or b- below a blue line, so he's not going to puck pressure. So that that second line can't force mistakes and can't create on its own because they don't. And the guys below them to move up into that slot aren't good enough. So th- where where we thought there's depth, there isn't, because they and what when they kept talking about acquiring a second line winger. I was of the I was of the ilk that that's not what they needed, but then when I look at what happened in that series, what happens is when you have the proper second line guys, you can slot guys that you go and get like a Nick Paul, or no, but like you're treating this like it's the team that lost to Montreal. You're treating this like it's the team that lost to Columbus. Like 
I think one, you're not giving the team enough credit, and two, I think you're underselling their opponent. How? Because they're the back-to-back -back cup champions that they took to Game 7, arguably got jobbed by the refs, which isn't just like a Leafs fan saying we got jobbed by the refs. This is widely looked at across the hockey culture to say the refing was absolutely atrocious. Yeah, but you can't, you can't leave it up to that. Like, no, at, at you the can't, end of the but day, at the same time, there's, there's times where you're like, oh, yeah, there's some calls that were missed both ways, but that's just how it goes. This wasn't one of those times. I don't know, this man. Was like a, no, this was egregious call, and don't give me that shit because you were the first person on Twitter who was posting about the refs jobbing the Leafs. No, the, the call, the call, is, is, that, the call okay, is not a good I, call, but if you can sit there and say, like, at the end of the day, to, to quote someone we'll talk to later, to be the man, you got to beat the man, and you didn't beat the man. You weren't the best team because you didn't beat the best team. I mean, if and depends, they need those elements, to, and they need those elements, like and the they need those elements, yes or no, and they need those elements they were to the beat the team. They need to, those elements to beat the best team, and they don't have them. No, they don't have them now. But I would also say, at the same time, is you're looking at this from like a very narrow point of view. What's the narrow point of view? I, I'm saying they need forward depth that can provide them other elements that can provide them puck pressure beyond the first line, which they don't have. No, because you're you're the guy that'll trade William Nylander for Nick Paul. No, I would. I didn't say that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's ask the question. Would you right now trade William Nylander for Nick Paul? No. Well, I mean, the fact that, I mean, I guess what we're trying to say here is it sounds like you're he very heavily critical of William Nylander and you're putting over Paul like he's, you know, Gordy Howe. Can I ask you a question what? quickly? Okay. Did anyone on the Tampa Bay Lightning play like William Nylander did? I I feel like we look at the Maple Leafs under a stronger microscope than absolutely. The but I'm I, but that's so I, I, I'm I can, asking the question. I can imagine there may have been someone on the Lightning who was dragging their feet a bit. I mean, you could argue and, Brandon Hagel played as bad as William Nylander for what they gave up for him. I don't think he played as bad. He didn't get oh, the results, stop. but I don't think his play was as bad. Again, though, that's again, like, like, like Dustin said, you're looking at this. That line, that line is the line that, that line is the line that ended up making a difference. But like, but like, that's the thing is like, you're saying this through one instance in a game seven where Nick Paul shows up for 15 minutes in a game. And so I'm, I'm saying like over the long haul, you would take his 15 minutes of showing up over anything, something someone like Nylander would give you. No, what I'm saying is you take assets and you turn them into a more evenly distributed thing and you find someone to do that role on a different line and you find someone to give you more on the second line. So what's your what's your answer then? What do you mean? What's my answer? What, what I, is like your I can't, solution? What, like my magical, I, I press approve trade in NHL and everything goes through? No, I'm saying, I'm saying if you had, if you were sitting in the chair and realistic, not the stupid Leaf fan that we heard all the fucking time where they're just like, oh, trade Jake Gardner for a first round pick and for Kucherov because he wants out of Tampa. Like that shit's stupid. Like a legitimate things you would do as So the first right thing, now, the first thing you do is you go, you go around, you look at teams that need scoring. Right, because William Nylander on a team that needs scoring is a valuable Here asset. There we go. He's trading Nylander. Right. No, but hang on. So back back when they were saying Nylander to to St. Louis potentially for Colton Pareko, that made sense at the time because the Leafs needed size 
and stability on defense. It doesn't that necessarily made make sense. sense. That made sense. That made sense at the time because Nylander you just didn't have cut a contract me and he wanted nine million. You a year. just cut me off. I said it doesn't make sense now necessarily because the parameters are different. But the first thing I would do is start looking at teams that do need scoring up front and seeing what you could acquire from them and what kind of package you could look at for a guy like William Nylander. Okay, so if if it was me, there is a 0% chance I would trade William Nylander. And that's because his cap hit is $6.9 million for the next three seasons. No, sorry, next two seasons. The season's already over, unfortunately. So two more seasons of someone at $6.9 million, and he's a point-a-game player. He okay. played 81 games, scored 80 points. You have There is no one in the you have league. $11 million you to get. sign 13 players. That's not the point. That that's that's not Nylander's fault, and that's not Nylander's contract's fault. That's the fault of paying Tavares eleven million and paying Matthews eleven million and playing paying Marner eleven right. million. So no, the of, solution, so if you're, the, the if you're solution going, is you're trading Tavares. Nobody's taking that contract, so that's not the solution. Tavares also another point a game player. Like, but yeah, you're okay, not. But, but that's like, not a solution. Like, Who's going to take Tavares at eleven million? Tavares also won like ninety nine percent of draws in the playoffs. Yeah, but that's not worth eleven he million was, dollars. It's no, worth no. a lot. No, that that's that's <laughs> that's worth one point five million dollars of the fourth liner that you throw out for the draw and skate his ass off the ice. That's agreed. No, but what I'm saying just, is that's... the the problem with the Nylander argument is because he makes six point nine million dollars, he's extremely tradable and valuable to a lot of teams, right? And he's extremely valuable to the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are a very cap strapped team. Thank you. <laughs> But like, I, they don't like, need no, more. The value, the, but the perceived value you have for Nylander is tenfold for the Leafs because of the contract. Like, and the, the other thing too is, is you're also saying this like find teams who need scoring and go asset. Like, give me three teams right now that you would target for Nylander trade that you would want something back, whether it's a bigger forward depth plus a defenseman that you need to get back. And I will guarantee you that the defenseman you're going to want to get back, they're not giving up as part of a deal for that. And we'll probably be making more money than William Nylander combined. If 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 the if the Winnipeg Jets came to you tomorrow, and they said we'll give you Mason Appleton and Mark Shifley for William Nylander, would you do it? Absolutely probably, not. Probably not. You're kidding. Nope. Mark Shifley's UFA. Why the fuck would they trade his rights for Nylander? No, Shifley's under under contract for another two years. I but even and for Mason Appleton, no, because my concern is not so much a forward issue. My concern is going to be give me bigger presence on D that can move the puck and play with Riley. I think the only way you make a Nylander trade for something, and I mean, there's so many teams in the league that they're not giving up that defenseman for a Nylander or like a Nylander and a Lilligren. But the only way I start entertaining that is if it's someone like Jacob Chikrin, who cap-wise is less than Nylander. He gives you a need, and he fills a need, and then not just that, he's younger, and he's tied up for longer. And so that's a move that I think you can start entertaining that. But like now, you're not going to be getting a Pareko for Nylander. And I know you'd said like that's not relevant now, but in terms of comparables, I think even Chikrin would be a hard sell for Nylander because he's two years versus the three or four. You have to throw something in there. I wouldn't be surprised if you go to them and say, if it's an option to say Nylander with 
maybe a Lilligren to replace the defensive asset they're giving up, and they may take it. Because I think Lilligren showed great and showcased himself that he would be a great kind of trade chip, especially with Sandine coming back. You know, you're not wrong, and I think we got heated, and I think we're heated because of the same reason. We're we're just not there yet, and I but think I will say you say we got heated. That's much cooler than we get when we're at dads or <laughs> whatever. Like, where I tell you I'm gonna punch you in the teeth. <laughs> but here's the thing: violence is not the answer. That's every time you're like, I'm gonna punch. I'm just gonna say violence is not the answer. <laughs> um, the the thing is, I agree with you. They do need help on defense, especially as it's aging. And it's, it aged quick because they acquired a lot of veterans, right? Like Giordano is aging. Like Brody's not getting any younger, even though they have him signed. Um, Muzzin, yeah, but you know, his health Giordano's is probably... not coming back, right? Like, we right. Assume, you know that, though? Well, well, I mean, they, we okay, don't, so they but... Ate half, his, half, half his contract was eaten, so the Leafs are only paying him 3.3. Right, but he's also 38. He's UFA. Sure, but he's, he's UFA next year. I'm just saying there's nothing that says there's nothing saying, coming back. Right. So they're going to have to. So they're going to have to. So they have eleven million dollars for thirteen players, and this is you. You're you're made the point that I'm trying to make. When you look up and down the roster, they're go, to do something of any sort of significance. They're going to have again, if they're not going to run it back the way they did this year, which is just filling in the holes with uh, diamonds in the rough. Which I don't think you can go to that well as many times as Dubis does and come up winning. Like, he won with Kampf, he won with Bunting, right? Kind of missed the mark on Richie, but he flipped that into Labushkin, and that's not so bad. But, but we also have to remember, like, I honestly think Mrazek is gone. Right, like, but that's, that's still... that's three and a half million coming off your books. But, right, well, and you, then you have zero have goalies. Hope, you have to hope that he is gone, because if he's not, that's 3.8 still on the books, and there's no other goaltender other than Shelgren under contract next year other than Mrazek. Right. Razik might be the starting goaltender next year. And that's what I'm saying. Campbell comes back. So, so something has to give. And a lot of talk has been around about this is the summer Dubas does the Maasai thing where it's time to shake something up a little bit because you need to make that change. And again, no, you're not trading Matthews. I'm now convinced. I mean, like I said in the first episode, I had to apologize. Last year, I was like, it can't get done with Marner. Marner showed me a whole different Mitch Marner this year. He shot. He played... He wasn't scared in the playoffs. I'm, I'm aboard the Marner train. Like, so, and no one is taking the Tavares contract and you're not going to retain because you can't afford to retain. So something has to give. You're going to need to give up something to get something. You're going to have to give up something you have a surplus of to get something you have a deficiency of. And what do we have a surplus of? I mean, not really anything. Scoring. We have a surplus of scoring. So you're going to have Didn't to... Didn't look that way in game seven, buddy. <laughs> right, and I understand. But we also scored the most goals on Tampa Bay's goaltender than in the playoffs than anybody. We, what was it? 18 goals in, in six games, was it? So, and, and, and the boys showed up. Matthew showed up. Marner showed up. Tavares showed up. Like, I honestly, I think Robertson's going to get a look on the second line. That's going to help solve a little bit of your puck hound puck pressure if he can stay healthy. I still think you need a, a, a more sizable body that can help create space because, again, Tavares is going to play the puck that you send him below the below the red line. He's he's very much in his office behind the net, circling, like spinning off to the front of the net. He's not going to chase down pucks, right? Thing is, I think I think the guy you're hoping for is a guy who's still a year away that we know is in the system. 
Right. I, you, you, I mean, you're kind of reading my mind. The guy pledged to college, which is kind of a bummer, but I don't, I mean, I don't know if he's ready yet anyway. I, no, I genuinely think that dude, if he decides to stay and he plays in the playoffs, I think he's so jacked up. He makes a difference. But the guy I'd be looking at, and it's funny you mentioned Arizona, like I'd be looking at Lawson Kraus. Like that guy, 20 goal scorer this year, size, north south, you know, plays physical, can help create space for guys who is are. A, is he just a Richie Light? Like, is he just so. like a potential risk? Same thing as Nick Richie? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I think he's, he's a guy, or, or your boy, Mason Marchman, is a free agent. UFA. He's team. not coming back here. <laughs> I mean, after you getting traded be, for Dennis Mulligan. A guy who would be great on this team would be uh, Carter Verhage. <laughs> all you, these guys the we gave up is, would be fantastic. Yeah, all these guys we gave up. But Mason Marchman, Carter what Verhage. I'm saying is, and what I'm saying is, and I understand when you're like, what's the solution? I don't, I can't tell you what other GMs are going to accept or not. But what I can tell you is the type of player that they need, in my belief, to be successful. I think they need to get, look at, look at Tampa's defense. You brought up, Tampa's defense, they're, they're, pun, they're, they're so big and they collapse in the middle of the ice. Nothing got through. And that's, that's a, like, that's something we didn't have, you know? So I, I, I agree with you. I think we're, like I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what they're gonna do. They need again, and they don't have the funds. And and unless they find something magical, magic beans. If yo, they need the sensu bean from Dragon Ball Z. Just heal up, instant energy. Let's go. But um, my thing is, and we kind of I, I mentioned this to Dustin briefly. They better do something, cause you know, no blank check is going to make Matthew stay if he doesn't see a light at the end of the tunnel. Well, because, the you know, and we say that he likes the limelight. There are other big-ticket teams that are going to come calling. You don't think the LA Rangers. Kings... Rangers, the LA Kings aren't licking their chops thinking that they're going to they're gonna make a run at Matthews in two years? Honestly, like, if, they're, if, if this team isn't consistent, if, like, the next two years, they're not in the third round or better, he may look at this and say, what are my options? And, like... And I had said this too, that if this team doesn't just sit there and just put down the contract and say, just write a number and we're done and lets him go by not doing everything they can, 50% of this fan base turns on them. I, I just, you know, when we talk about running it back, I just, I can't, I can't see it. They tried, they tinkered, they got better with the tinkering. Labushkin, people shit on him. I thought he was just fine. He's physically like he's not a top pairing, but he no. was he's probably a, a four, five, six, four at, on good nights, five, six on normal nights. But I think you also brought up a good point. The Leafs have a lot of the same defensemen. Riley, I mean, offensive prowess is fantastic, but the type of game he plays is very similar to a Sandine or a Lilligren. They play very similar. Uh, Brody doesn't offer a lot in the size or offense department, but he's defensively stable in terms of responsibility and playing, you know, his position, and that's fine. Got the got Muzzin's not going to be old school. He had a great playoffs, but he's not going to be old school Jake Muzzin, especially into next year. They need some variability. Is that a word? They need some difference, variety, variety. Thank you. I, I went to school as a history major. Um. They need some variety uh, on the back end that's going to help provide them because, we, again, 
Tampa's a template, and I use Tampa as a template because even as outlined by John Cooper, Stamkos, Hedman, these guys say this is evenly a match this series as you're going to see. But there are two or three elements on that Tampa team. One of them, I understand being a world-beater goalie, uh, that the Toronto Maple Leafs didn't have. But I thought in this series, Campbell matched up very well with Vasilevsky, so I don't think it's on Campbell. But there are elements that were missing. Uh, one of them, I think, is that bottom six, you know, north-south drive and puck pressure from a second line. And like Maddie said, a defenseman that's that's going to take over a game. And I think that's a different... Like, Hedman took over game seven. Like, he was fantastic. It's more... He's more game two in game four. But if but that's what I'm saying. If we can sit there and argue which game he took over, that's a good thing, right? So for that, for Hedman, not for us. So I don't... They... they they're missing those two things. And it's, I don't know that, you, like, like Maddie said, you're, you don't, you don't have a bucket of money to go out and, and do anything like that. You can't, you got 11 million bucks. Well, like I said, the, the, it's either, it's either Marner, or it's either not Marner, it's either Tavares or Nylander that's gone. And I, like, as much as you say no one's taking that contract, you will find a team to take Tavares's contract, like a San Jose who has the cap space, like, you know, maybe Anaheim, who now that gets last gone, you know, they want him with Zegris and Troy Terry. You know, there are options, but I just think that it's, it has to be one of those two if you're looking for a shakeup. Because at this point, it's Matthews' team. Tavares is a captain in letter, but we all know it's Matthews' team. I mean, he, he played like a captain in that yeah. series. Um, and, you know, even his post uh, game presser they were all differently emotional this year than we've seen in years previous like almost on the verge of tears and i agree with you i think it's one of those two i just one i don't think it sends a good message to free agents if you trade Tavares, a he's a hometown guy big contract you know you don't want the next guy coming in to be like, and I'm, i believe he's got a no move so i don't think he, he's gonna have to approve where he's going um that is correct he does have a no move so, but I think he's not the type of guy to pull a Sundin. No, I don't think so. But again, we don't know. Yeah, I mean, we probably thought know. Sundin wasn't a guy to pull a Sundin too. Well, if we're if we're talking predictions, I don't. I personally don't see Tavares or Nylander getting traded, and that's not for me to say. I think Matthews or Marner is going to be. I honestly think those four guys are all wearing blue and white. Come this October. So, and what would I you think, do? I have no idea. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I, 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 Dude I doesn't say even know I, what he's going to have for breakfast tomorrow. <laughs> I, I say I have no idea because I don't think this is a bad team. And I don't think that they would have lost it's not that a game if they, played, if they played any other team in the Eastern Conference. They would have won that round. I think... But they Tampa, didn't. So, hold on, hold on. I bet three weeks from now, when Tampa Bay is in the Cup Final, and we're saying... I think our opinions might be different. We might be looking at this differently, saying the Leafs ended up losing to the team that went all the way to the Stanley Cup final. But we still lost. And eventually, you have to be the one to win. And that's what I'm saying. The, I understand it doesn't matter that, who's but in only front of one you. team wins every year, right? right. Like, only one team's going to win the Stanley Cup. I don't, and I'm not saying it's going to be Tampa, but I'm saying they are the team to beat right now in the East. And... The Leafs took them to Game Seven at the very last second. They were right there. There was sure there was times earlier in this series where the Maple Leafs could have and should have 
won this series, but they didn't. And I don't know, and I could be wrong, but I don't know that if trading away one of your best offensive players for another defenseman is going to get them over that hump. I don't know if it does. I think they have, and I don't want to say trust the process, but I, I, I think they are on the right track. Again, Matthews is 24 years old. Marner's 25 years old. Nealander's 26 years old. They're on the right track. Give it a couple more years. This team is going to be fine. So again, so this is where I, I say, in the position you're in now, you have $11 million for 13 players. How are you going to address any issues? And I know, again, like I said, he did it before. So I'm not going to say he can't. What I'm saying, the odds are significantly decreased finding those things in back-to-back seasons. And and he didn't hit on all of them. Like, and you're, So Spezza might retire. We don't know what he's going to be like. I'm going to guess that Clifford's not going to be back. Although they did sign Clifford, him into next year. Resi- they just resigned yeah, him. So, yeah, they gave true. him two more it's, years. It's a, it's, a, it's a two-way deal, right? Uh, it could be. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not too sure. Um, Simmons is signed know. into I next just year. Feel, yeah, I just feel like, honestly, everything we're looking at is going to go in a circle until they either speak or we get yeah. at least through free agency. And Engvall, his contract's up, right? Uh, Mikheyev contracts up yeah i think mckayev okay so mckayev is ufa so he's gone he's gone like he's he's not coming back but you can replace Uh, him with like someone like hosang or robertson yes absolutely uh engvall and uh case or kasha or i don't even know kasha's rfa but i don't think his health can can stand up like he was fine with the money that, yeah, and like you know, he, he was fine, and he he was he was a little bit of a puck hound, but I thought he played with a little bit too much reckless abandon for his his glass, uh, you know, demeanor. So I don't know that, like Maddie says, I don't know if he's going to be worth whatever he's going to ask for or possibly get. So there's probably six holes up front, and feels there like is, two or I, three I, I on I the think, back end, and one in goaltender. I think Steve's comes up. I think he played well enough for the Marlies that he gets an opportunity to play this year. I think they may have to go to Joey Anderson. Like there's guys that they have under contract down there. Yeah. Yeah. Abercrombie is another guy who is under contract for next year. So they have guys that they can do this. Obviously it, it remains to be seen if they can do it at the NHL level. And we're all, we're just much we're like Dubas is going to have to do. We're, we're grasping at straws. We don't know yet. And I'm sure the least haven't thought about it yet. And there's, a lot of hockey still to be played until that decision is made. And speaking of a lot of hockey still need to be played, we have a second round of the NHL playoffs coming up. But before we get to the second round, before the first round, we made some predictions. And we, on our playoff prediction podcast, we predicted every game, every series of the first round. And we now have our final scores at the first round. Any predictions of who had the best record? Not me because not I call Nashville said, and I feel like that fucking play, not the serving. guy who said flames in four move on. Yo, no, I, I'm gonna I, say I, Dustin had the best. I'm gonna say Dustin. I, had the I, best. Gonna, yeah, I'm gonna say Dustin had the best, but no one saw that series going past five. Well, uh, currently the leader in points is Maddie. Yeah, get blocked. I told you it was the best. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> no way. So the way I, the way I did the points. Uh, you get one point if you guess the team right, and you get an additional point if you got the amount of games right. Oh, and I got the Oilers King series at seven. He so Maddie did get Oilers and Kings at seven. So we'll start at the top. Uh, Blues and Wild 
I think Honestly, I called that one too. It was Blues in six. Maddie was the only person to say the Blues is going to win that series, but he said it's Blues in five. So we only oh, got shit. one point. James and I both got nothing on that because we both said Wild oh, in wild. seven on yeah. that series. Uh, Avalanche and Predators. <laughs> that was the only sweep was the Avalanche. They <laughs> took care of the Predators in four quick and easy games. Uh, Maddie said Predators in seven, so we got none of that. Uh, <laughs> James said Avalanche in six. And you got one point. I said Avalanche in five, and I got one point. Next, Rangers, Penguins. Rangers pulled it out in seven games in overtime as well. Maddie, Rangers in seven. He nailed it both, so he got two wow. points there. James and I both said Penguins. James said Penguins in seven. I said Penguins in six, so nothing there. And this is where stuff. But did I get enough point for being the right number of games? I mean,. No, because they lost. <laughs> He's just making this up as he goes. <laughs> uh, next on the list, Panthers in Washington. Panthers ended up winning in six. Maddie said Panthers in four, so we got a point there. James said Panthers in five, so he got a point. I also said Panthers in five, so I got a point there too. Bruins, Carolina. Carolina ends up winning in seven. Maddie said Hurricanes in six. That's one point. James, Hurricanes in six, and that's one point. I said Bruins in seven. And that is no points because I'm not giving away points for the number of games, even though. I'm not going to lie. You held on to that one, dude. You were watching that game like, come on, make me right. <laughs> that was a bold pick to take Bruins was in seven. Yeah, it was. But, we all man, had a I bold was, pick. <laughs> I was right there. I almost had that one. You did. Uh, this next one, almost all of us got this exactly right. I was the only one who didn't get exactly right. Yeah, this is Oilers and Kings. Oilers and seven was the result. Maddie said Oilers and seven. James said Oilers and seven. I said Oilers and six. So at least we all were in agreement there that the Oilers were going to win that series. And it wasn't as unanimous as we thought it was going to be. But I mean, I guess it was unanimous as, we, as you guys thought it would be. But I thought it would be a, a slightly easier series for the Oilers than that. Flames and Stars. Now, this was one we all thought the Flames were going to win. Uh, Maddie said Flames and four. James said Flames and five. I said Flames and four. So we all got one point. But man, it ended up being Flames and Seven. They almost didn't pull that one out on Sunday night. Oh, Jake Ottinger is a god. Jake, yeah. he almost willed Jake the Ottinger. entire Dallas team to victory. Jake Ottinger just literally signed his next contract. Like, yeah. figure, well, not literally. He just signed his next contract saying $7 million or north of that. Yeah, way to make a name for yourself. That's the time to make a name for yourself. Right. And then the game that we spent a lot of time on, I don't think we need to talk anymore about. Uh, Leafs and Lightning. Maddie said Leafs and seven. That's close. I mean, I guess. Uh, James oh, said Light <laughs> James said Lightning in six and got a point. And I said Lightning in five and got a point. So the final score is at the moment. I have five whole points. James with seven points. Maddie with eight points. Oh. So still anyone's game, and the game continues because Avalanche and. And Blues, excuse me. Avalanche and Blues are going to be coming up shortly, this coming week at least. Maddie, what are you thinking? Avalanche and Blues, you're going first because you're the reigning champion pretty much. I, uh, this is tough because as much as the argument I made for the Predators being the worst nightmare for Colorado, I think this goes more for St. Louis. Like These are guys that have won. Like A lot of these guys have won cups. You have arguably the best defensive center right now and or all round center right now in Ryan O'Reilly. Um I do think Colorado's 
offense is very high powered and I'm kind of suspect on the Blues goaltending. Um I'm going to say Colorado in 6. Avalanche in 6. James, how about you? I I'm, I'm not going to belabor the thing cuz I th- I agree with everything Maddie said. I think St. Louis is probably going to flip-flop between their two goaltenders cuz I don't think they really know who they who they have the most confidence in. Um, yeah, I'm going to say the Avs in seven. Avalanche in seven. I had already written down Avalanche in six, but I'm going to go back and now delete that and say Avalanche in five because I need to start making up some points. <laughs> He's hedging his bats here. <laughs> Uh, also coming up tonight is going to be Tampa Bay versus Florida. The Battle of Florida, the, the matchup everyone mm. wanted to see. Del Boca Vista is going to be sold out, standing room only. <laughs> Phase four. The best of Boca. Del Boca Vista. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the senior citizens uh, are going to be loving this one. The geriatric cup. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, the Battle of Cracker Barrel. So who is going <laughs> to take early home bird the special. Golden Barrel? Uh, am, I pick, am I picking first? Yeah, Matt, again? you go first. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this, this is tough. I, I, I do think, and this was evident near the end of that Tampa Leaf series and something Jim brought up, like not on here, but as we were just talking, like Tampa's tired. Um, and yeah, Florida, Washington did kind of push them. I think Florida has the horses. I'm going to say Panthers in seven. Panthers in seven, locking it in. Again, you know, we might disagree on some of the leaf issues, but I think now we're we're starting to agree on the second round. Um, Yeah, I think Panthers in in seven. I think the, like you said, they have the horses. They have... And they're fresh. They got fresh legs, some vitality, winning their first playoff series since. I think so they come at Don, you in waves, man. Donnie Mack was the coach. Uh, so, um, yeah, they do. They do come at you in waves. And we saw them beat a very good Washington team that you know didn't have quite the same goaltending prowess that uh, Tampa has. But I do think Tampa's tired. They played a lot of hockey. I, I, I do believe the Leafs took a lot out of them. Um, so, yeah. Panthers and seven. Now this one that I'm picking, it's it's not what I believe is going to happen, but it's what I want to happen. So Florida in and our, four. <laughs> no, Tampa and Florida. No, say. In our previous segment, I had said, "What if the Tampa Bay Lightning ends up going to the Stanley Cup Final? Does that make you feel better about the Toronto Maple Leafs and this team?" No. So I want to feel better about myself. So I, I'm going to say the Lightning are going to win this series, but I'm going to push it to seven because I, I don't, I don't think it's going to be easy. You know, I think the Panthers are for real, and the Lightning know that, but I think the Lightning are built for this, and they are, in my opinion, the team to beat in the East. So until they are beaten, they are the ones to beat. So I'm going with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And now another one that I think is least sexy least, of the thing. The probably yeah. <laughs> if I had to say what the least sexy matchup is, it probably is this one. Like yeah. we're joking about the Del Boca Vista Cup, but 
those teams hate each other. Like the games they played against each other this year were ruthless. They are in-state rivals, and they are arguably two of the top three teams in the NHL. So I think that that's going to be a great matchup. Like, but Hurricanes and Rangers. I don't get. I don't know if anyone gives a shit about this series, but I I don't don't care who wins. No, I don't. (laughs) Like maybe you, maybe you guys care more. (laughs) Right, but like for me, like I do not care who wins this series. Uh, But yeah, I was gonna go ahead. You have to pick. So yeah, I was gonna say as a Rangers fan, like second, I've said this before. I'll say it again. They're my second favorite NHL team. Like I want the Rangers to win. I I honestly think for all the hype and talk he got throughout the year, Shesterkin got exposed against the Pens, man. Like, and I don't just mean like, you know, he got caught in his underwear at Times Square. Like, I'm saying Kim Kardashian's sex tape exposed, right? Like, this dude is just came right back down to earth and was fought to be average in that series i think um so although i say that i think carolina carolina's goalie issues as well as i don't know man because carolina just it's the same thing as florida just without the defense and without the the forwards or without the goaltending Right, like they come at you in waves, and Rod, Rod the Bod, man, how do you deny that guy? But I, I, I think this is Rangers in six. Um, and just as a quick point, something you said about Ottinger, he's gonna be the next Chris Osgood, man, where he's gonna be like mediocre in the season and kind of okay, but get him to the playoffs, he's gonna dominate. But yeah, I say Rangers in six. The one of the things is I don't know if Aho is the same Aho he was after getting helicoptered on that hit. Yeah, uh, in in Boston, that, I, I hope he that is. That was a hit. Hell of a talent. Um, the the Hurricanes are more well balanced than the Rangers are. The Rangers went. We have skill and we have toughness. Like that's the Rangers. They're they're they seesaw between the two. They they're not very balanced, but they have a lot of toughness and they have a lot of a lot of skill. I Shesterkin. I think he has a workload he's never experienced before, and this is the time of year where it's only going to get difficult. Uh, you're seeing the same guy, same team over and over. They're learning about you. Um, and the thing about a goalie is y- you're going to get different looks. You can't really give them different looks. Like, you're still the goalie. You know what I mean? So it's not like you can bring out a new move or try a new play to stop a shooter. You just kind of have to... You know, it really comes down to fundamentals. So, yeah, Carolina and six. I don't. I I, ju- I just think they are very well built, especially on the back end, and that's going to be a tough matchup for the Rangers against. You know, they were down what? They were down three to two to Pittsburgh. So, you know, they've already had to fight back. That's a tough. That's a tall task. All right, marking you down for Hurricanes in six. I am agreeing with Maddie. I'm going to say Rangers in six. And I, I know you're saying that Shesterkin got exposed, but man, I think there's way bigger question marks in goal for Carolina than there is with the Rangers right now. Um, so for that reason and that reason alone is why I'm going with the Rangers. I think their goaltending holds up more than Carolina's will. And honestly, on paper, I think offensively, they're probably similar teams and not necessarily of how they play, but like of how they get their wins. And 
I think it will be interesting from a certain level of how this series goes, but I just have very little interest in either team. So this will be quite the interesting one to see how it unfolds. Now, I think the most interesting one to see how it unfolds is the Battle of Alberta. And man, I would have loved to have seen this be the conference final. But hey, we're the NHL and we do stupid things. So we're going to have this in the second round. Um, but at least we get it. Because it looked like last night that, or the night before, or I guess both nights combined, like there was, there was a chance that neither of this was going to happen. That there was a very good chance that both the Oilers and the Flames were not going to make the second round. But they are not like their Canadian counterparts in the Toronto Maple Leafs. They have found a way to make it to the second round. And boy, is it going to be fun. I think this is going to be must-watch TV for the Flames and the Oilers. Maddie, what are you thinking? Oh. I don't even know. I, I think just it's hard because you think the like I thought the Flames were going to walk over Dallas and they didn't. And I was pretty sure the Oilers were going to struggle against the Kings and they did. Um, So this is tough. But I just think like. I think Calgary is. Built to just pound the Oilers. Who do the Oilers throw against someone like Milan Lucic or Eric Branson? Or, you know what I mean? Like, the big guys that Calgary has that play big. What, you think Darnell Nurse is going to do anything to Lucic? He's hanging on by a thread. He's playing hurt. And they got Evander Kane, man. They got Evander Kane. They got Zach Cassian. They'll be fine. Are you kidding me? Lucic will throw down, like, 500 grand and say, go away. And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll take it. But, you know, I just think, I, I think this is... Yeah, I think, and also too, the goaltending is so off the wall for Edmonton, and you just so, you just hate you just hate Mike Smith. I do. I, I I have a legitimate hate for Mike Smith as a guy who played like defense for a while. Like a goalie doing that shit to you just drives me nuts. But I say I say Calgary in six. Uh, it's gonna be awesome though. Yes. Yeah. It is. I can't. I can't wait for this series, James. I'm going to say Flames in seven, and I think that you're going to see probably everything McDavid and Dreisaitl can do with this team in this series. Uh, Dreisaitl, I think, is playing hurt, but I think you're going to see... Well, he was questionable for game seven, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Um, And you're going to... This will be the series where... Where I think, you know, when I talk about, not to bring it always back to the Leafs or whatever, when I'm asking for more from a Nylander or a Tavara or whoever, I think this is the series where you'll see they don't, they don't have anything more themselves. They can yeah. no longer do any more solo or as a tandem to, to drag this team any further than the series. And I think this will be it. And then they're going to have to look at some some really big question marks in Edmonton if they want to take another step. Or, you know, as people have talked about, it's going to get to the point where McDavid is like, I, I, I can't do it myself anymore. So, yeah. Flames in seven. <clears throat> I, I think your point with that, too, is, is honestly, like, you're right. That was, like, my thinking, too, is at what point do they just say, guys, like, yes, McDavid's the best player in the world, and Drysaddle's the top five, six player in the world. But they're like, we need you to do more. We're giving you everything. 
And I think the Flames know that. And I think they just run and pound the shit out of them every chance they get. Yeah. It's just, they, I don't know that they have any, like, after the series, my prediction Nothing is they will have the no more, yeah, they will have no more tricks in the bag for them to, to figure out how to, how to prop the Oilers up. James, I'm with you. I think, I, I'm, I have writ, wrote down Flames in seven, and boy, did McDavid just throw that team on his back and carry them into the second round. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that against Calgary. I think Calgary is too well-rounded. I think they are specifically built for this, not just the playoff run, but for this matchup against the Oilers. This is almost like exactly what they've been planning for going into the beginning of this season. So I think it's going to be a hell of a matchup. I can't wait to see it. Uh, Flames in seven is my pick, and Flames are also my pick to win the Stanley Cup. So you know, you know no matter who the Flames are going to be playing next round, I'm going to be taking the Flames as well. You know what's interesting? A lot of people like played the comparison game between Toronto and Edmonton because of having two top tier players as a tandem. You know, a little bit of a, a drop off down the the bottom of the lineup and some you know tough choices on defense, whatever. The Calgary Flames when Toronto played them because obviously I watch more Toronto games this year. Toronto really struggled uh, during the regular season when those type of games came up, and I I just you know again. Teams elevate, and we saw McDavid elevate in Game Seven. Um, but I just, yeah, I that's he's gonna have a very sore back <laughs> at the end of I, Round Two. I also think a guy like Kachuk is just salivating, absolutely. Like his pants are tight, his cups starting to hurt. He's getting a half stock in the pants because he's just ready to go for this series. He's also ready to go for his pay raise. He's gonna get next season. Oh. RFA next year. Jesus, man, that dude is... He's just seeing money signs right now. Who? Kachuk? Kachuk, yeah. Well, Goudreau's UFA too, so... They are... They're, They've they're, got some choices got, to make. They gotta, they gotta run. Well, there's a good chance, like, I think Goudreau, you know, puts up a good run here. I don't think he stays in Calgary, but that's a discussion for another day. Well, speaking of discussions for another day, I think that might be it for the NHL, unless you guys have anything else you want to get to before we shift gears to another sport, because this is the sports podcast you always wanted. We're not just talking hockey today. We got a whole lot more on the yeah, plate, we can, but before we, can we, before we get away week. from it, any other quick things you want to throw out there for NHL? We can. This might we be can, a silly offseason. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of chatter around the, the Malkin-Latang situation in Pittsburgh. I heard they got offered contracts and... and they they felt like they were lowballed, and apparently the word is on the street is Sidney Crosby felt like they were lowballed. But again, I don't know how you pay Malkin at thirty seven years old any more than. What did he want? Like five years and nine million a year, right? Like thirty seven. Like that's <laughs> you 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 think twice about giving that to a thirty two year old. So, you know, and then a lot of coach firings. Barry Trotz fired. Islanders hired a new coach today. Lane Lambert. Who? who? Um, <laughs> I think we all said that when we read that article. Uh, so. And then uh, Pete DeBeer was fired uh, in Vegas. So, you know, a lot of people already, a lot, and naturally, a lot of people go, oh, oh, Leafs. Trots in Vegas. Or Leafs, Trots in Vegas, DeBeer in Toronto, Trots in Toronto. Like, you know, obviously it comes with, with not having success. 
So there's a lot of moving parts right now in the NHL. And I think, or did you see quickly, did you see Gary Bettman react to the Montreal getting the first round pick? No. Uh, okay. Maybe I'll play that video next week, but it's, it's embarrassing how much he seems like he's like, fuck. Like, so Montreal <laughs> gets the first round pick and he goes, and the first round pick goes to, Oh, Montreal. Well then. Okay. Like he's just like <laughs> not excited. It's almost that like he's disappointed that it's Montreal. really wanted Jersey or, or Arizona to get that pick. Um, well, seemed really given disappointed. Given the state of those two franchises, I can understand why. Yeah, seemed really disappointed. I'll, maybe I'll play the video to open next week. Um, yeah, it's pretty funny. Well, speaking of disappointing, <laughs> oh boy, the Blue Jays <laughs> oh have been a little disappointing lately. I think that's a fair way to put it. Like the Blue Jays have not been what we've been, what we are expecting maybe at the beginning of this season. There's been a lot of issues uh, up and down and... You know, this past weekend, it was another series in Tampa, and those never go well. For whatever reason, that building is cursed. Like, there needs to be a seance or something the next time the Blue Jays go in there to remove any demons of the past. I don't know who is haunting them, but someone is there. There's no, the like, actual past. tie to that team. Like, there's no, there's no scorned free agent. There's no trade that went bad. It's just a shitty place to play for the Blue Jays. I think Honestly, it's a shitty place to play for anyone. To well, be that's your for, that, for the Rays. It's a shitty like place to play for the Rays. Bags. <laughs> like that that roof just looks like it's like a bunch of garbage bags, pay, like taped up to the top. And I, you know what? I, I would at least like to applaud somewhat uh, Charlie Montoyo because I had said this on Twitter like not not quite a week ago, a few days ago now, and I was saying put Espinal higher in the lineup like he is the best hitter on the team but he's still hitting like eight and nine and we have guys like Bo Bichette who are barely hitting their weight who are in like second in the lineup so it looks like they're finally now making adjustments and I mean they, they need to start doing something because this team is not producing the way it should although as I look at the lineup for today Bichette's back hitting number two so whatever but there are players on this team who are not performing and there are players on the team who are doing better than expected. I don't know if we expected Espinal to be the best hitter on the team. I don't know if we expected... Even when Danny Jansen was healthy, like he was hitting very well. Then he got hurt, unfortunately. But I don't know. I, for me, personally, and I'll, I'll get your guys' opinion on this, but I don't necessarily think it's time to panic yet. Like They're still above 500, at least at the time of this recording. And at the time of this recording, they're up 2-0 on Seattle in the sixth inning. So... Who knows, by the time this comes out tomorrow morning, they could have lost this game. But they're still a 500 team. They have a plenty of games to get to. There's going to be plenty more games against the Yankees. There's going to be plenty more games against Tampa. And not to mention, they have these games against Seattle this week. They have games against the Reds this week. And the Reds, for the love of God, they lost a game where they threw a no-hitter. And they lost. So this is what... This is what the Blue Jays are contending with over the next next week or so. I think they have a lighter schedule coming up. They had a ridiculous stretch where they played like 30 games in 31 days. I think this team's going to be okay. Do you guys have any issues with this team the way it is right now? The Jays are the team that every year when they're quasi-successful, 
they miss out on the playoffs by like one or two games. And then we all go, what could have gone differently? And last year, we had a really shit... Uh, and I mean, again, we were dis- displaced, but we had a really kind of shitty record up until, what, May or June? Um, or at least mediocre. And then we went on like a major run. So, listen, the problem with the Jays isn't pitching. The problem with the Jays isn't the bullpen. It's not Jordan Romano closing games. The problem is the games we've won have been 3-1, The defense isn't the problem. It's it's the bats. And for a team that was supposed to crush balls and, and you know manufacture runs, they just aren't. That's supposed to be they a lot of people said it was the best lineup hitting they've ever seen, like all around hitting, and it's it's just not gone the way you know, and they had a problem like this last year too, where they just weren't hitting, and they call, they actually called up Dante Bichette, and they're like, "You need to get down here, and and have a chat with these guys." And I don't know if he like stopped coming around again, and they need to give him another call, or they need to find a new hitting coach. But whatever they're doing in terms of their plate approach or whatever, like this ain't it. It's it's just not. You know, the Jays have the lowest average with runners in scoring position this year, which almost sounds like a formality every year, but I think it's like one eighty nine. With yeah, it's, it's really bad. Yeah. So, I like I'm not panicking either, but I have a funny feeling we're gonna we're gonna end up in in September going. We're two games, but we're one half a game back, and and we're chasing. The other thing too is the Yankees had an incredibly easy front half of the schedule, or not front half, but like front portion of the schedule. Uh, different than the Jays, the Yankees played like the Rangers and the Orioles and the Royals, and they all suck. So, we'll get that. We'll get those quote-unquote easy games back in the schedule it's just we had a really tough front-loaded schedule i don't know i just i think maybe we overhyped them honestly it could just be something that we got so excited with how they finished off last year vladdy Bo, springer our big three for the jays and we see what pete walker can do with reclamation projects or middle of the road pitchers so then when we saw kikuchi we got excited and we you assume barris is going to do well and you assume that gossman is going to continue to either be what he is if not improve and for you in a five slot take him whatever it's fine do you but, say bear do you say barris <laughs> barrios barrios whatever man he's Fuck white off. dude leave him i'm white as shit leave me alone <laughs> Um, but I think that all led to a lot of excitement, which then led to a lot of hype. And I think that kind of got in the way a little bit. I, so I think there was a little bit of overhype, maybe not, not like you do any other year, but just slightly. So I think what we're seeing is probably slightly underperforming. But not terrible. And yeah, we say it's early, but man, it's almost June. Yeah, that schedule creeps up on you. And I think you're right. I think, but I think, I don't know if we overhyped them as much as they overhyped themselves. I think saying shit like last year was the trailer, this year is the movie, like you got to cut that shit. <laughs> like just go to well, work, okay. man. Just go to work. Hit the <laughs> fucking ball. I mean, someone like Vladdy can say that though. But no, but do it when you won something. You ain't won know. nothing. He's just. He's just- 
he's a confident young guy. I don't have a problem with that. Like it wasn't just us. Like Major League Baseball had like the the pick for the World Series was the Dodgers and Blue Jays. Like yes, it's true. I you know, but I think they. I think well, I guess what I'm trying to get is I think they're in their heads a little bit. There's probably a lot of pressure, and again, like you said, they're young guys. Um, but I, I I will say this: if the season were to end today, the Blue Jays are in the playoffs. Yeah, the expanded so, playoffs. That doesn't mean right? shit to me because it's expanded playoff. It's it's an expanded playoff, and they would have to end up playing. They play the Twins. They play a three game set against the Minnesota Twins. Oh, they would. You would think they'd mop the floor with the. I was Twins. gonna say that sounds oh, easy. Feels dangerous. It's, right? it's three games, and it would, they would all be in Minnesota, and the Jays obviously would win two of those three. But half those would be Jays fans anyway from like Winnipeg. I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad matchup for them. No. So, but I again, think, we're 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 a long way off from the season ending. Yeah, but I just think that's we, I it's think, something we need to keep in perspective, right? Yeah, I think while we overhyped the Jays a bit, I think we undersold potentially the Yankees. Yeah, you know, I know. Yeah, they had a lighter schedule, and as you said, like, oh, they played the fucking Orioles and the Rangers. It's like, yeah, but they also played us and it handed it to us. <laughs> Plays a lot. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think like maybe we undersold them. So. You know, I don't know. I think there's a leveling act or a bit of a balancing act to really say, I think the Jays are better than what they show, but not as good as what we potentially predicted. Um, Probably still a top team in MLB realistically, but top two, maybe not top five, probably. And I think that's kind of where they slide. Yeah, I think the one positive, there's probably a lot of positives, but the biggest positive with this team right now is the pitching. And Alex yeah. Manoa has been amazing. And Kevin Gossman has been amazing. And you're kind of glad that they made the moves that they made last offseason because Gossman came in to replace Robbie Ray, who obviously won the Cy Young last year and is a hell of a player for the Blue Jays, him in his tight pants. But interestingly enough, as the Mariners come to town this week, Robbie Ray's not coming. Which is unusual because normally if you win a Cy Young and then you leave and your first opportunity back in that city, you are normally celebrating. there to do media availability. Like that is and a very unusual your... thing for yeah. a player who won the Cy Young in this city, went to another team, and now their first trip back, he's not here. I think that raises some alarms that Mr. Ray probably most likely is not vaccinated. And I think that adds a lot of color to this past off season that maybe, I, don't, I mean, I don't think anyone was talking about in the off season that when the opportunity was for the Blue Jays to bring back Robbie Ray, I, I can only imagine that was a huge part of the decision-making, at least for the Blue Jays as to why he was not offered a comparable contract to what he got in Seattle. But did he not pitch here? I guess there were no fans. He would have, but I believe, and I could be wrong about this because these restrictions change every day, it seems. But I think at the time when last year's season was playing, uh, professional athletes had an exemption from travel in order to get into Canada and to the United States. Well, I'll tell you, now with those... They made their Sorry, now choice. with those restrictions gone and you are treated like every other human being, I imagine that is why he's not here. 
They made the right choice. The man's four and three with a four six two, and a one 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 nine WHIP. Um, he hasn't he doesn't look like a Cy Young pitcher right yet. Um, no, absolutely not. You know, <laughs> he absolutely Kevin, does not. Kevin Gosman's three and two, but a two four ERA and a point nine eight WHIP. Yeah, so, the, the records are irrelevant. It's that ERA that we're like an ERA over four is not a Cy Young pitcher. No. And just for context, Marcus Simeon is batting a 157. <laughs> Man, Marcus Simeon, like what happened? Buddy? Zero home runs. Like, that, like I have a, I have a Marcus Simeon jersey hanging right there. It's gonna be a, yeah. it's gonna be a collector's item one day. I have the, uh, this is not a topic I want to get into right now, but I have a whole thing about jerseys and what names they get on the back. But uh, a lot of times, as you see, there's two there. Uh, there's a Simeon and there's a Troy Tulowitzki one because I just know like. Ten years from now, that's going to be a hilarious jersey to be walking around with. Someone wearing yeah. a Troy Tulowitzki Toronto Blue Jays jersey. But yeah, maybe one one day we'll get into the uh, all the rules and criteria that I have personally On jerseys. about jerseys. But actually, I do want to bring up another jersey story that came across my way today. MLB The Show has uh, a player to be unlocked this coming Friday. Not sure who it is yet. I have some predictions of who I think it may be, but we don't know who it is yet. But on your way to unlock this player, there's other players that you can unlock. And they showed off a Carlos Delgado card. And it was like a 1996 breakout Carlos Delgado. And he was wearing like the most atrocious Blue Jays jersey I've ever seen in my life. And I have to go looking it up. I'm like, I don't remember this. Like I've been watching this team my entire life. And I have, I have absolutely no memory of this jersey. And as I've been doing a bit of research and trying to figure out what the hell this was, so I went to MLBcollectors.com and they have a list of like every uniform the Blue Jays ever wore and it wasn't even on there. So I'm like, okay, what, what's going on? Supposedly, according to this picture I found on Twitter, it was worn one day for Canada Day. So it was one of those god-awful super red jerseys but now picture the old blue jays like 1992 1993 style where it says blue jays across their chest and the more round looking blue jay logo but it's an entirely bright red jersey it just looks so out of place and also with delgado like you don't i know delgado was there in 93 he didn't play a whole lot but you don't necessarily even picture delgado wearing that old style 90 293 outfit so my question to you guys is what do you think the worst blue jays jersey is and oh boy i'm going to retweet this and you guys can check it out at dustin perry on twitter and i don't know if you guys want to uh tweet this out on uh 43.6 on twitter as well but oh boy man are some of these canada ones really bad and i really hope we never ever 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 have to see these red canada jerseys ever again I mean, the worst Jays jersey that I've seen, and most people default to the black, silver, and ice blue, which I didn't I actually didn't mind. The logo kind of sucked, but I didn't mind the Jays uh, text across the chest. The worst one for me, uh, ironically, is from the Delgado era, and it's the one with the blue arms and the gray in the middle, and it says Toronto with the weird deep red surrounded by blue, and it has, like, the logo I think we used was the J with the baseball bat. That was, is that so the one where Ace is like flexing almost, where he's like yeah. showing his bicep? Oh man, yeah. those are bad. Disgusting. The, the, that style of jersey to me reminds me of Eric Hinsky. 
Yeah, yeah. or uh, that's a name. Who else? Uh, uh, Homer Bush. <laughs> Homer Bush or uh, Shay Hillenbrand. And those guys. Oh man, do you remember when Shay Hillenbrand was writing stuff on the clubhouse whiteboard? Yeah. Or like, Shannon this Stewart. This ship like, is sinking. Ugh. Well, yeah, the jerseys were sinking it. Um, yeah, it, th- that's not a good jersey. I'm not a fan. I don't like it. But the the Jays with the the Blue Jay bird in the letter J, I didn't mind. It was fine. Um, definitely not the worst. That that one was the worst. Or with the it has that, the maple leaf in the second logo in the background, like the big maple leaf. Not not no bueno. That one is most frequently referred to as the worst. The black one. And I think it gets way too much hate. Like, I, I understand why people don't like it. Like, the team has been the blue, the Blue Jays. Like, they've been blue the entire existence of the team. And then all of a sudden, it turns into, you know, the black thing that ended up being. And I get that people didn't like that shift. But honestly, that's not as bad as some of these other designs that they had in the 90s. Yeah, terrible. Uh, the, the gray jersey. Like, just any gray jersey is always going to be the worst to me. Yeah, you're not a great. Yeah, I, I think that, and we were talking about this earlier today, but like, that's just an issue with Major League Baseball in general. Like, I don't understand why. Why they have is these. there gray jersey? Is it because you play a lot in the sun and it's not as bad as wearing black or a dark color? I think it might just be them wanting to connect with the origins of the game, where it always just was white versus gray. If it like, if it was up to me, everyone would be wearing their primary colors like all the time. Well, Unless the Yankees, they clash. Like if it's the Yankees like the wear? Royals versus the Blue Jays, yes, obviously someone should wear white. But in a situation like tonight where it's the uh, the Mariners against the Blue Jays, the Mariners should be wearing their lime green or bright, vibrant green thing against the Blue Jays' bright blue thing. Like, why wouldn't I want eye-popping colors the Yankees staring wear? me in the face when I'm watching a game on TV? It doesn't make sense why they're wearing gray and white. Just Yankees yeah, and pinstripes all the time? Well, the Yankees are, are okay. That's just what their colors are. They're pinstripes. I don't know if they're. I mean, I think they do have their. They're the grays. I think their away, aways are not pinstriped. Their their homes are. But like that's just what their their colors are. I'm not saying the Yankees should go out there wearing an all black jersey. Oh. I just think they can get away with gray. Yes, like if you have a primary color in your logo, you should be wearing the primary color on your jersey. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like the Seattle navy blues or the greens. Um, and I like the whites. I don't like the Seattle grays. Uh, the Oakland grays I don't like. I prefer the, the greens or the whites. So, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I just think any team's gray jersey is absolutely garbage. Like, <laughs> the Phillies drives me nuts. They have reds, they have whites, and then they wear the grays every now and then. Like, you don't need the grays if you have the whites and the reds. They look The Cubs do it, too. Good. <laughs> yeah, the Cubs one is arguably uglier the grays and as i look at seattle's grays right now and like you said they have navy blue they have the teal or aquamarine and yet they wear gray (laughs) why but why yeah but why yeah i don't i don't understand why you would purposely put ugly jerseys on people if you didn't have to it's it's almost like something the cfl would do just put like the most ugly looking jerseys on their players even though you don't have to but hey it's the cfl and that's what they do and we just want to quickly let everyone know that the cfl still hasn't reached an agreement and will they reach an agreement by next week when preseason games start we'll have to wait and see but okay. it's on cfl I corner think the real question week. is who cares 
<clears throat> check in check in on CFL oh. Corner. Listen, the CFL has potential. It's a great game, marketed horrendously. Um, mm-hmm. They don't profile the players well. They don't um, allow these guys to talk, shine through. I've already spent too much time on it because, you know, if they're not going to spend the time on it, why should I? So uh, we'll check in with CFL Corner next week. I think the solution for CFL is they really need to double down on a younger generation and they need to find a way to connect with them. And whether that's through fantasy football, finding a CFL equivalent to that, get like so many people who watch NFL football are watching because they have either bet on the games or because they have some sort of fantasy football implication. That's kind of where the fandom for a lot of people starts for NFL football. And mm-hmm. the CFL doesn't have either of those things. Like, obviously, uh, and we're very aware of this, but sports betting is now legal in Ontario. In case you haven't been aware of any of that, since it's driven down your throats on every sporting broadcast that you watch with seemingly dozens of these providers. But the, the CFL is straight away from betting and they've strayed away from fantasy. And you're left with a bygone game that only a certain subsect of people that still watch and Saskatchewan or when it's successful. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. So I guess we are speaking like, I guess, very Toronto minded here that it is very, very, very much an afterthought here. Here, I suppose if you talk to someone in Hamilton, it's not as much of an afterthought. It's certainly, if you talk to someone in Saskatchewan, or it's not an afterthought. Like they live and die by the by their their local team. But for us, uh, it's not really something that anyone even talks about. You say fantasy football. Here's the problem, though. Name three players on the Argos. And Ball Clements. No, he's the he's in the front. I'm like playing. And Ball Clements. <laughs> so that's what I mean. What are you going to do in fantasy football? You're not going to know anyone you draft. That so it starts at the top. They need to. They need to. You're right. They need to find a way to connect, but they have to make it appealing. And I, you know, part of it might start with the jerseys and fashion. You know, who knows? I don't know. But it's. Uh, yeah, I try every year. I'm like, this is the year, and then like half a game in, I'm like, this is not the year. Yeah, I like I turn it on when there's absolutely nothing else on, and then I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to CPAC. <laughs> CPAC. Um, I just went to I just went to the Argos store on Real Sports Apparel. Uh, do you know what jersey is available to? So there's three jerseys available. One, uh, two are blank, and one has a player's name on it. Do you know what player is available? The only um, one available Bo on the Le- website to Bo Levi player. Mitchell. No, Pinball. Hey. Mike Pinball Clemens. Jesus Christ. So this is another issue with this team. that I, I'm jokingly saying the only player I can name is Mike Pinball Clemens, but you go to their website, and the only name that pops up of a jersey to buy is Mike Pinball Clemens, a guy who hasn't and, played in the league in what, like 20 years. And look at those jerseys. I like them. You do? I can't, the, at least the Argos one. I, so the white one with Clemens, I like that one, says Toronto. But in any event, I, I just think the CFL has a number of issues, a number of issues that I think the XFL could have helped. So yeah. there was that discussion for a little while where they were, the XFL and the CFL were going to work together, or I don't, they weren't necessarily going to merge, but I think they might have done something where the XFL has their champion and the CFL has their champion and they would have met at some point and played it 
an exhibition game or like a winner take all championship game or something. I think that would have been brilliant and it would have really helped the XFL to get off the ground and it would have helped bury the CFL. Well, you would have exposed them to a football You would have exposed them to a football rabid audience, right? Like I remember remember Chris Berman uh used yeah, to Yeah, he loves the CFL. He loves the CFL. So there's something there. They just they can't communicate it. And that's well, the that's thing a is, problem. The hits are bigger sometimes because the three downs, longer field, you have to air it out more. So guys get destroyed. Yeah. But it's just, I don't know. It feels like you're watching Texas high school football. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I would prefer watching Texas. High, so I, I was say, I would prefer watching Texas high school football just because the rules I would understand. And I know college football has slightly different rules than the NFL does, but it's still essentially the same game. Whereas Canadian football just feels like a bridge too far. And especially if you are an American football fan and maybe you are sampling Canadian football on a, on a Friday night when your local high school is not playing or whatever. And you're saying, okay, what CFL game is on and you get, you, you try watching it. It will not make any sense to you. There's different rules. There's different scoring systems. The the end zone's in the wrong place, or at least the uprights in the wrong place. It, guys are moving all over the line for some reason. It looks and plays like a completely different game. So I think they've found themselves in this niche of we're this Canadian thing, and if you're not Canadian, you're not going to get it. And that's not a way to <laughs> draw a broad audience. Just to tie a knot around the whole, I'd rather watch X, Y, Z conversation. Talk this much about the CFL, by the way, as you get into this. Well, this no, I'm going to divert here a little bit. Just a quick heads up: uh, as of May 14th, the Oklahoma Boomer Sooners uh, got commitment from a junior college player, six foot three, 195 pound quarterback. Do you know what this man's name is? Boomer Sooner. Nope. General Booty. Uh, I love it. The man's name is General Booty. His parents are heroes. That's not his actual name. It is. Go look it up. Look up General Booty quarterback. I I just typed in General Booty real name. Is General Booty a real name? (laughs) Booty received the first name General due to his his father's Abraham fascination with the military. Yeah, so he is General Booty. <laughs> Hell of a name. Actually, it might be Abram. His not Abraham, but whatever. Yeah, Abram. I, okay. Speaking speaking of names, this has always pissed me off. And Jimmy, we have talked about this ad nauseum. Dudes with two first names. What you're talking about, like the French Canadian guys whose names are like Pierre oh, Mark, Nick Mark, Paul. Mark, Mark. <laughs> no, like Nick Paul or oh. Tom Steven or like. Rob Jordan. It's just or or what about Tom Brady? Oh, I know I I know you're good at transitions, dude, but seriously, fuck off. No, you're yourself there. <laughs> that was really good. So Tom Brady. Uh, I don't know if this is recent news, but James added this to the show notes and I said, okay, cool. Because I wanted to talk about a number of things in this area. And as we were just talking about fake football, now we can talk about real football. Uh, Tom Brady, according to the New York Post, is making or is set to make 
375 million dollars over 10 years to be a broadcaster yep and like he's not even done playing it's literally when he laces him up he walks right into the booth and he starts calling games the man literally yeah puts his equipment away then jumps into a brinks truck and drives away that is what happens for this like imagine having that kind of retirement plan like immediately like you don't need like like you said like Breeze done, Romo done, and they get their deals. They've got this guy on deal, and he's not even done yet. And like, I don't know, man. Do you think he's gonna be any good at talking? Like in this kind of long form analytics. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I don't know if I would have thought Tony Romo would be good at that job, but he's like become the greatest football analyst of all time. Like in terms of like how he can read a play and tell you exactly what's going to happen from the time the ball is snapped. Uh, it's almost eerie when Romo is on commentary to tell you exactly what's going to happen. Or watching and, uh, Eli and Peyton. Like they're always, I didn't find that entertaining, to be honest. I thought it was oh, I loved it. I loved it. Oh, come on, man. I learned some, so much more about football than I've ever done watching any of yeah. the broadcast. thousand percent. But I, I just know, think like... I don't Brady's that entertaining. Brady's so good on the field, and I think you could tell he's probably getting ready for the media game after where he's embraced social media, and now he's on Twitter, and he's doing the TikTok thing. So I wonder if that's pre, like, uh, like a precognitive effort to prepare himself for life after football going into media. But I also think dude could just be Garth Algar out there. You know what I mean? Just freeze up. He gets... It just freeze up, he's like... <laughs> you know what I mean? And we don't know. It's different. Tony Romo might have just had the personality for it. Well, we've seen a number of guys recently do this. Uh, Drew Brees was the most recent who had finished playing football and transitioned like right into broadcasting. And although now it seems like Drew is contemplating coming back to football, he sent out a tweet the other day of saying, I don't know what the future holds for me. I, I may be going back to play in the NFL and I think that would be fascinating to see. I would I would I would love to see him try one more time. I I I I think that'd be a lot of fun, but at the same time, I think you're if he's making anywhere near the money that Tom Brady is set to make, I would much rather be sitting in a booth on a Sunday than gearing up to play football and have a 300-pounder slam me in my in the face. But where do you think he me. goes if he comes back? I'm going to get Seattle. Oh, you mean you're talking about Drew Brees? Yeah. I would assume he would go back to New Orleans. You think so? Yeah, I, I can't see him playing anywhere else. Yeah, maybe. But maybe I mean, you're right. Like he, There's no reason why he couldn't play anywhere else. Right. And Seattle would be a good place for him. I think Miami would be a great place for him. I don't think Tua Tungvaloa is the answer in any mm-hmm. way. Tua turn the ball over? Right, and especially after just bringing in Tyreek Hill, you're going to need <laughs> someone to sling the ball down. Did the you field. see that he got roasted on social media? Tua did because he threw a, a pass. I think it was Tyreek Hill in the that received it, but it was like wobbling, and they were like, they were like, the people were just roasting this man's arm because he can't throw under or over ten yards. It's just, yeah. yeah, he doesn't he doesn't have any arm strength. I've had Tyreek Hill on my fantasy football team the past like two or three years in a row. Not this. I year. don't think there's a chance in hell I touch him this year. At least not at the prices he used to go for in the first and second rounds. Uh, it will be it will be interesting to say yeah. the least. Um, 
But this whole situation is fascinating to me, man. Like these quarterbacks who are making an obscene amount of money to be broadcasters. And it's funny to me as well, like after going to school for broadcasting and then like you're done school and it's like, oh yeah, you can get a radio job for $28,000 a year. You're like, yeah, well, while these guys who didn't hey, do I need that. to go back to school and do something else. Yeah, become a football player. Um, but the, it's, uh, the interesting thing is that I think we're coming, we're coming out of an age of incredibly good quarterbacks and we're being replaced with a lot of like really good quarterbacks. Like there was like six incredible quarterbacks during that era. There was Peyton, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, I'm not, I can't think of the rest off the top of my head, but now we're in an era where like every team has a top-tier quarterback, it feels like. So these guys are just going to keep getting elevated into these positions, right? And there's only going to be a finite number of them because like Fox isn't going to have 20 quarterback analysts. So it'll be... And, and they're not going to sign them all for 10 years. So it'll be interesting to see kind of like who gets picked and chosen as this goes on. And if anybody like... Uh, like an Amazon with their their Twitch or Amazon Prime, like somebody else wants to scoop up uh, somebody else and figure that out because you know these guys are out there making it happen. Like Romo, you know, you might not like the Peyton thing, but it's successful, and who knows what Brady will provide? Yeah, it's always fascinating when these older guys try to get back into the sport and try to keep up with everyone else and see if they can still hang and. Tom Brady has proven that he can. Like the guy's in his mid forties and is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, man. But, can, can you imagine though that AFC this year? <laughs> like, yeah. that's gonna I mean, be, I that's gonna be an absolute gong show. You, like, I'm just looking at the teams and the quarterbacks. Man, you know if Trevor Lawrence figures it out. And then you got, yeah, man, that's Josh Allen. You have Josh Allen. You have <clears throat> Joe Burrow. You have Lamar Jackson. You've got Trevor Lawrence. You've now got Russell Wilson. You've got Patrick Mahomes. You've got Justin Herbert. It's, I can't wait to talk about the end of, when we get to the NFL season preview. Oh, I'm going to have a massive excitement. <laughs> football boner well i had a pretty good transition there but then i i can't, I can't transition from boner so what i will say uh <laughs> in addition in addition to breeze and brady being the older guys in the room uh rick flair is looking to be the old guy in the room as well and so this is this is breaking today and so for context rick flair is 73 years old and he's had a number of health issues over the past couple of years so much so that he spent like an extended period of time in the hospital it, it's, it's a miracle he's alive so that's kind of the, the boat he's in right now and they announced today that he's going to have another wrestling match haven't announced who it's going to be with uh james and i were speculating what it's going to be but why like what what is this guy thinking? Like what what does he have left to prove? And the way I'm looking at it is that he like it's he, it's just ego at this point. Like I don't think he needs the money because I mean obviously he's lost a lot of money. He's had like four XYs or something. And lending firms and yeah. 
So I'm not saying he doesn't necessarily need money, but I'm what I'm saying is like I don't think he's specifically doing this for money. Uh, obviously, it's, so it's a part of Starcast, and his son-in-law runs Starcast, so I think that's an angle there as to why he's doing it. And if he's going to do one more, I guess it makes sense to work for Conrad. But, dude, at at what point do you think it's irresponsible to let someone of that age to do anything of, of this physical? Only a decade ago. <laughs> like, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it can be a carny business, man. And it, like, there's, you, you know, as well as I do, there's sometimes there, there are no friends, but the dollar, baby. So if Ric Flair is going to draw, you know, maybe, I, I mean, I, I know what you're saying. He's 70, a million years old. Um, they'll, they'll do their best to protect him. They'll, have him in a tag where he has limited work. He'll go through, do his chops, uh, do the flare flop. I doubt he goes up to the top rope and misses anything. Um, imagine he takes a couple arm drags and uh, puts on the figure four next to who his tag partner is, and they get a double tap out, and that's the end of the match. That's that's going to be my guess. So I guess the way you're looking at it, so you're saying it could be a tag and... I imagine if he's tagging, he probably tags with Andrade. Like, I think that yeah. makes the most sense, his uh, son-in-law. And um, I've heard the rumors are that Steamboat will be on the other side. So, okay, so even if it is Steamboat, okay. But then, like, who does Steamboat tag with? Is Richie, is Richie still working? Like, is like Steamboat's son? I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I thought maybe he would do a one-on-one match with Andrade. And, or... But you can't hide him. And that's all. Well, no, you could. Well, what you could do is just, and it would be ridiculous. Uh, you would just have Andrade bump for chops for fifteen minutes. Like, it's it's doable, right? And like your cutoff is like you poke Ric Flair in the eye, so he doesn't have to take a bump. And you know you can do a lot of safe things with him. And the finish would be like Ric Flair goes for figure four, Andrade rolls him up one two three. I just think I think they'll do tag double figure fours to end. Ric Flair goes out on top or dead, and that's. That's it. Like you're supposed to go out on your back, but he already had that moment. So I think this is his moment to kind of, like you said, it is kind of ego driven, and I think it's his moment to to have one last. They, you know, I will say as someone who's who's participated, crowd noise is addicting, and it's probably a drug that he never really got over. So hopefully, you know, if uh, hopefully he gets he gets enough to to put his put himself at ease because I think. This is irresponsible. Anything after this is <laughs> a crime. It's, it's got to be a crime. Got to be a cry for help. Is what it is. If anything happens after that, but I don't think there's anything going to happen after this. I would say that's about the end of this week's episode. So thank you for joining us for forty three point six, the sports podcast you always wanted. I'm Dustin. He's James. He's Maddie, and we'll see you next. Week.